Welcome to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Mike is one of the nation's top realtors and is highly regarded as an authority in residential real estate sales. Mike Bell has nothing to sell but great wisdom. You're going to love this show. Now, here's Mike Bell. Welcome. You're tuning into the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. My name is Mike Bell, and this is the most important hour of radio every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thank you for joining me. The show is dedicated to delivering timely, balanced truths about residential real estate in an effort to help you. My goal is to educate you, empower you, and engage you so you can make informed decisions to protect, enhance, and smartly manage your investment, your house. My name is Mike Bell. I'm a broker here with Keller Williams in Pasadena. I sell a ton of homes, and you can reach me on our show website, the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. Dot com. You can also go to themichaelbellteam.com, and you can also call us live through the studio at 888-GO-FOR-IT. That's 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748. Here's my personal cell phone, 888-401-1555, 888-401-1555. And you can shoot me an email, mikebell at kw.com. So today, we're going to find out almost everything you need to know about 1031 exchanges. We have attorney Derek Phillips. He is a licensed California real estate broker. And along with his his father, Tony Phillips, they run Downstream Exchange. And their company is regarded as a national authority on 1031 exchanges. Welcome, Derek. Thank you for having me, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Come up a little closer to the mic. So I've known Derek. I've known you for probably six or seven years. I went through the GRI uh, program, and you were mentioning how uh, I did it when it was hard. That was ten years ago. And GRI is called the it's the Graduate Realtor Institute. I think it's top two percent of all realtors have it. Something like that, yeah. 15 or 16 courses, all-day courses, live. You can't do them on the – can you do them on the Internet now? Not that I'm aware of, no. They make you do it a tough way. It was good. Yeah, I did it. That was very informative. And we have one class just on 1031 exchanges. Uh, Here, taught by my dad. Yeah. I think you guys are um, uh, the big gorilla, right? I mean, you guys do – it just seems like everybody knows of you guys in Southern California. That's true, yes. And we've sort of taken over from some other companies that fell by the wayside as well. Well, you work with clients, brokers, escrow officers, attorneys, uh, you, you, CPAs. CPAs. And you guys coordinate the 1031 exchange process. The realtor doesn't do this. Escrow doesn't do it. There's a, a separate service, and this is what you guys provide. All, all we want the realtors to really know is that to recognize that there's a possible exchange and to give us a call. Easy enough. So you, as an attorney, you you review, you edit, you draft all the exchange documents, obviously to to ensure that they conform to any of the new rulings. Uh, You do a lot of things. You have a a lot of people working over there. Yeah, but... And I got the top dog. Right. The, the main job, what we do, is to keep people on the on the pathway to completing a good exchange. 
Uh, there's several things you can do, mm-hmm. many things you can do, the beginning, the middle, the end that could destroy your exchange. And our job really is to keep people on the right path. So a, a basic question I get all the time is, what is a 1031 exchange? Where do you get the, the name? Where does 1031 uh, come from? 1031 exchange is a section in the Internal Revenue Service Code. And what it says is that if you are selling investment property or property that you're using in connection with your trader business and buying another investment property or property used in connection with your trader business, if you buy a property of equal or greater value, you can defer all of the capital gain on that transaction. You won't recognize any gain. You won't pay any tax on that transaction. So the money goes, if you're selling a property, the money goes from that escrow company to, to you. To the accommodator. You're an accommodator. Right. That's what they call us. Accommodator, intermediary, facilitator, but accommodators. The- so the seller doesn't get to put that money in their pocket and do it later. They It goes, they can't touch it, right? The seller can receive funds at the end of the escrow, mm-hmm. but whatever they receive, they're taxed on. As soon as you touch it, you're taxed on it. That, any money they receive. Unless it goes to you. Right. Any money they receive, we, we call boot. Mm-hmm. And the boot is taxed at the capital gain rate. How long has, have 1031 exchanges been around? About the, since the beginning of the of the code. Oh wow! Yeah, I think the current code is about 100 years old, and it's 1031's been in there. There's a little bit of. Some people say it was put in there to help farmers who are trading livestock, and uh, our, I guess our company originally was called Downstream Landing Cattle Company at the very beginning. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but then I've also heard people claim that it was really more of a post World War II uh, to help people buy homes. But I, I think it's more of the farmer and the livestock is probably the the more um, likely uh, uh, place where it started. If you're tu- if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're discussing 1031 exchanges with attorney Derek Phillips with Downstream Exchange. Before we go a little bit any any further, I'd like you to get your contact information out there. If somebody has a, a question about this, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, we have a 800 number, 800-743-1031. My personal email is D, as in David, Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S, at downstreamexchange.com, all one word. And what's your phone number again? 800-743-1031. Does it cost anything to just pick up the phone and ask you some basic questions? Nothing. Can I call you and ask you questions for three hours? Sure. Really? If it was going to be three hours, (laughs) if it was three hours, I'd probably say, why don't you come in? And people actually think that they need to come in. But usually what I usually tell people is you're totally welcome to. I just don't think it's a good use of their time because we can answer almost every question. You know, 10 minutes on the phone, people usually leave understanding what they need to know. You guys are like the gurus in the industry. Well, we're kind of unique because I'm an attorney and a real estate broker, and my dad is a, a CPA with two master's degrees. Mm-hmm. So we, we see it from a different angle than some other people because in the end – my dad knows what it looks like when he fi- when you file the form that, that shows that you did the 1031 exchange, which is called the 8824. Mm-hmm. So 
his viewpoint comes from that standpoint. And then my viewpoint is obviously highly influenced by his. Your website, uh, downstreamexchange.com? www.downstreamexchange.com, yes. You've got a lot of great videos in there. And uh, I was looking at this uh, this morning. you got your dad at his desk standing up, and he's in front of all these uh, all of his awards and degrees. These were these were great videos. We uh, I can't remember why, when we hired these people, but we just decided to uh, see if we could get some little vignettes on the website. I thought these were very useful. Uh, I've been referring people to you you guys for years. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily saying Mike Bell told me to call you, but as an accommodator, and and also your as with your videos, you guys are able to what I've what I've noticed is that they're able to call me back pretty quickly and say, okay, got it, understood. Can't do it, can do it, might want to do it, keep our options open, this is what we need to do. Because if, like you were talking about an investment property, there's, there's, there's two kinds of properties, right? There's your personal property and then everything else, right? Investment property. Well, for real estate, there's, yeah. as far as we're concerned, there's residential property that you, personal residence that you mm-hmm. live in, mm-hmm. And property that you own as an investment, yes. usually meaning you're getting rent. And where you and I intersect is there are a lot of people who own single family residences as investments. Yep. And that's where you would be the listing agent. Most of the time, well, a lot of, a lot of folks don't realize when they're about to sell their house, what are the tax ramifications? You guys are a great one-step, one-stop shop to brainstorm these things because you need to know if you're going to do a 1031 exchange at the very beginning. You can't really – it's a little difficult. You need to, to get us involved before you close escrow. And you know what's funny that you say that is my, my wife um, is addicted to the – what is it? HGTV. Uh-huh. And they have all those – you know. Flip this house shows, yeah. and they always like at the end show you how much money they made on the transaction. Yeah. But since they're flipping it, they aren't able to do a 1031 exchange. You have to own it for six months to a year, report some income from rent on your tax return. So I always watch those shows and say, "Oh, yeah, you just made eighty thousand, but you're going to pay ordinary income on that, and you're going to get dinged hard. Dinged hard, yeah." That happens all the time, I'm sure. I'm sure, like in our business, though, you wind up seeing really unfortunate circumstances happen to people because they're not using the right professionals. And a a really good realtor will be able to hone in on a a client's strategy and understand that maybe, maybe it's not a good time to sell. Maybe they should rent it out, but maybe they should consider a 1031 exchange. If they're, if they're selling and it's rental property, they should always consider a 1031 exchange. I mean, especially if they're going to, if they're planning on buying something else, you have to at least try. But a lot of people don't even know that, which is unfortunate. I, I think that was really true 10 to 15 years ago. I think most people, most, most realtors for sure are clued into the fact that if they're talking about rental property and they're selling yeah. it and buying another one, but it's getting better. It's, it's a lot better. So from, the phone calls that you get, you're going to get you're, you'll get a phone call from a, a client. Typically, they said, "I think I'm going to be selling my house. I want to learn about this 1031 exchange process. Am I a candidate?" 
I there's like really three questions I asked to sort of hone in on that. First of all, is it rental property? Mm -hmm. If it's no, no, I live here, then you're out of luck unless it's like a duplex and they live in one and rent the other one out. Then they can exchange the value of the duplex. Mm -hmm. So they say, is it rental property? Yes. How long have you owned it for? That's my next question because there's unofficial rules about how long you have to own something before you're eligible to do a 1031. I mean, of all the crazy stuff Congress or the IRS decides to get involved in, they've never actually told anyone how long you have to own property before you can do a 1031, how long you have to own that replacement property after you do a 1031. But as far as we know, six months is a bare minimum. One year, you're probably good. Two years, you're good. So to clarify, 1031 exchange program, it's a federal, not state. It's both. The state, ha- every state except for, I believe, Pennsylvania has a similar, almost exactly the same 1031 exchange law. So you are deferring your state, state and, taxes okay. and your federal t- tax. Do the, does the, do the states piggyback on the federal or do they actually have their own uh, code? I think they have their own code, but, 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 uh, Maybe they just refer to to 1031. I actually can't think I've ever seen oh, the code, the California 1031 code. So they might just refer to um, the, the federal tax code. Gotcha. So how long have you been doing this, by the way? Yeah, I'm not really certain about that. I would say like at least 15 years. Oh my god! I mean, the years just like go by. So. <laughs> well, one of the uh, we, we we talked this morning, and you were handling wires. Uh, you had 15 wires to handle this yeah, morning. something like that. <laughs> so the wires are obviously incoming wires and outgoing wires. The ones I'm doing today are were outgoing. We're all outgoing. To finish people's transactions. 15. Is that pretty normal in a day? No, this was a lot. We had one person that was doing six all to the same title company. So that, that was a little bit odd. Wow. Uh, we're going to go into our first break, Derek. Uh, You're here listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with attorney Derek Phillips, and we're talking about 1031 exchanges, and we'll be right back after these messages. Now, back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with attorney Derek Phillips with Downstream Exchange. You can reach him at www.downstreamexchange.com. One word, no dots, no dashes. We're here talking about 1031 exchanges. I've known Derek for years. And we were talking about the top three questions that you get. We, real quick, what were the, 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 the first two and then let's talk about that third question that we didn't get a chance to talk about in the first segment. Well, your question was how you're, whether or not you're eligible to do the exchange. Mm-hmm. And the first questions I ask are, is it investment property? Is it rental property? Mm-hmm. There is one kind of exception to that, raw land you can do a 1031 exchange with. Mm-hmm. Um, second question I ask is how long do they own it for? Because I want to see them reporting uh, income on their tax returns for at least a year. And then the final question I ask is always, who owns the property? How is the property vested? Because what happens is that people think they people own property, right? Mm-hmm. But then you find out, oh, no, an LLC owns that property. And then it's like, oh, how many members are in the LLC? And I mean, you can find a lot of the 
complexities with how the property is titled because one of the requirements for 1031 is whoever, whatever entity is selling the property, the same entity has to be buying the replacement property. So we have a lot of problems with people trying to change that entity midstream in the exchange and that could invalidate your transaction. I would think the last thing you'd want to have happen is get audited later and have it invalidated. I don't think tax uh, consequences. Actually, the the number one thing that we see on an audit, Mm -hmm. which is also an actual thing that uh, makes us a little different, is because since my dad's a CPA, we do see the back end um, in terms of audits. Um, But the number one thing that we have problems with seems simple. But one of the requirements for doing a 1031 exchange is you have to identify your replacement property within 45 days of the close of your sale transaction. And we send the clients a letter to fill out and send back three separate times, but sometimes people don't bother to send the form back. Or what happens a lot of the times is there's three methods for identification. Mm-hmm. Three, the first rule you can identify any three properties, any value. Doesn't matter. Three hundred million dollar properties, fine. But if you want to identify more than three properties, then the rules start getting complicated. And the, the the second rule is you can identify any number of properties you want, as long as the total combined fair market value is less than two times the value of the property you sold. So if you sold for a million, you can name more than three properties if the total combined fair market value is less than two million. So we have problems with people filling out the form and putting properties that total more than the 200% of the fair market value. That's that that's happened several times. So you're selling a property and you close escrow and then the clock starts ticking. Right. You have 45 days to designate. And when you designate, you just what do you do? Give you just we we just write the address down or our, we give them a form mm-hmm. our our uh, the letters we send them say send one by regular mail and one by certified mail and what ha- what matters when you send it by mail is that it's postmarked by your 45th day there's a legal concept called the mailbox rule and it's deemed accepted when you place it in the mail mm-hmm. or, or I'm sorry deemed received okay but humans are humans are infallible and what happens is everybody waits to the last moment to do sure everything right yeah christmas shopping you wait to the last moment sure so we have people that send in those identification forms and they wait to the last minute they, we we had someone send one in they violated the 200% rule there was no one there to even see it they sent it on friday night at at 10 o'clock mhm so as long as we received it on the 45th day, but they had made an error, we weren't there to catch it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here discussing 1031 exchanges with attorney Derek Phillips with Downstream Exchange. And your outfit, you've, I don't know how many employees, you guys have a lot of folks there. We have, Downstream doesn't have a lot of employees at the moment, but we have a lot of people in the building that do work for Downstream part of every day. So we have... My dad has a full-time CPA firm. Mm-hmm. Some of those CPAs may be billing time to mm-hmm. downstream or even downstream clients. Actually, one of the, the folks that's in your building is a master instructor for California Association of Realtors. 
Uh, I don't know if he's still in your building anymore, Buck, Buck Stapleton. No, Buck had an office there, but he's not there anymore. Yeah. And it's funny, Buck is best friends with my godfather. Oh. It's just, what a small world. Was your Everything godfather knows. LAPD? <laughs> yeah. Robert Taylor. Yeah. So, you know, do you know Robert? No, I don't think Uncle so. Bob? No, but the, uh, and then the president of Downstream, my dad, also teaches for doing the GRI. Yep. That's how I first met your dad. I met your dad before I met you. And then there's another attorney in, in your office. His name is Sarge, and I've helped him with his uh, problematic probates. All probates are a little problematic. They're not so bad when I help him with them, but that's, yeah, you, that's, that's why you, there's attorneys. That's how you know Sarge? That's how I know Sarge, and also through the Bar Association because I work with a lot of attorneys. And he was the former president. And he was the former president. When are you going to be the president? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, think, I, don't, I don't have time to be president of, of anything other than possibly downstream. You're pretty busy. Uh, we both have kids. Your kids are the same age as my, my kids. Mine are, you're close. I'm, mine are eight and seven. So we're s- seven and five and a half. You're in the thick of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're, so the mechanics of the 1031 exchange, you've got 45 days to designate. 180 your- days total to complete the transaction. And that is very rarely a problem in a 1031 exchange. The only time the 180 days is a problem is um, maybe commercial property, sure. where they find some, you know, soil problem or something like that, or perhaps when we're doing a reverse exchange, where the client has to purchase the replacement property before they make the sale. But uh, the peop- the thing that I tell people when they're doing a 1031 exchange to worry about is finding and designating the replacement property within the 45 days. That's the only, once the exchange is started and people ask me what to worry about, I tell them worry about the 45 days. So prior to them selling their property, they're hiring, effectively they're hiring you right. for the service. And is that, do they pay you? How do they, how, when do they get paid? When do you get paid? Uh, close of the sale escrow, either escrow cuts us a fee check or... On, we, the, uh, on the first transaction or the second one? First transaction. And and so, uh, always on the sale mm-hmm. of the relinquished property. So we either get a check from escrow or we write a check when we receive the proceeds from the sale. Gotcha. So if somebody decides not to do the 1031 exchange for whatever reason, they'd like to put the money in their pocket. They just don't want to buy another property. Um, maybe they've... The time frames, they just they couldn't designate in 45 days. Uh, what happens? They just get their money back. <laughs> well, uh, that's well no, I'm sorry. They're, they're, they're inve- the, the money that they're trying to uh, put through the 1031 exchange. Well, that's actually opened up one of the huge problems that we sometimes have uh, in 1031. Uh, we, do, we, we do return the, the proceeds. Sure. If it's, if it's a California transaction, we, we, we probably have to do the... California uh, withholding, real estate withholding, which uh, would have happened if they had not done the transaction anyways. Anyways. So people don't always realize that. They're like, well, what's this withholding? You have to do it. uh, Unless it's a multi-member LLC or a corporation. But there are some rules. Um, Like I said, there is no rule about how long you have to own property. Mm -hmm. Well, there is a rule that governs when the accommodator can return funds to the client. And it becomes very problematic because one of the things that I'm always in the position of doing is telling the client they can't do what they want to do. I'm sorry, I can't do this. It's against the regulations. So 
the regulations for returning the funds, if it's after the 45th day and you haven't identified any property, you get your funds back. If you if it's before the 45th day and you designated one property and you bought that one property, you get your funds back. But if it's after the 45th day and you have identified property that you have not purchased and there's any money left, we have to hold the funds for the full 180 days. That is in the code. And and it doesn't it doesn't sound right and it's it's uncomfortable when I have the conversation, but I'm held by the rules. I'm the same way. And the when people when I tell people that, they go, that doesn't sound right. They get attorneys to give me a call that don't really know anything about 1031, but they think they can throw throw their weight around a little bit. And I send them the information on the rule. We call it the G6 rule. Mm-hmm. And I never hear from them again. <laughs> but but just it's not all. Uh, well, if they don't want to work with you, then that's fine. They can go to a smaller outfit that may skirt the rules. But that's, well, that, that's. So I had to point out to people that what they're suggesting is tax fraud and there exactly. are possible criminal penalties for fraud. So. Well, I had a transaction where the guy, he actually, he, I convinced him not to sell his house and we, we we're going to rent it. But our local municipal code has a, a, a certificate of compliance requirement to, you have to go through a city occupancy inspection process that you have to go through if you want to lease it out to somebody. He didn't want to do it. And he wanted us as a licensed broker to be able to just waive that requirement. We can't waive like health and safety. I mean, we can't, I I wish that we were that powerful to be able to waive codes. We can't do that. Well, he can go find somebody else that wants to, to commit some kind of tax fraud. 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 Yeah. This fraud is, I'm not going to do it. There's a concept out out there called, and there's articles written about it, accommodating accommodators, which will basically <laughs> do whatever the client asks. But the risk that I have to tell people is if you have an accommodator who's willing to look the other way when you want to add a property that you didn't identify before the 45th day or uh, receive funds uh, boot in the exchange that is that you want back, but it's before the 180 days, mm-hmm. that if you have an accommodator who does that consistently, they it may be a fine for your transaction. Like Nothing may come of it, right? But if they do it consistently and someone gets audited and the IRS or the Franchise Tax Board finds out that the accommodator was doing something they weren't supposed to do, they can come in and audit all of their clients. So if you have someone that's just routinely not following the rules, even though you're going to find have, the pattern. Yeah, you may you may have gotten away with it in your transaction, but someone down the line doesn't get away with it, it it'll come back to haunt you. It's not worth it. We do enough transactions, we don't need to we don't need to skirt the well my my dad has right? a, co- a concept he likes to say as a CPA, you can either eat well or sleep well. I agree. I'd rather sleep well. Absolutely. Well, we can talk about this on another show too. Just talk about different realtors that are out there. Um, some of them, you know, the average age of the average time frame, time span of a, a real estate agent is eighteen months. Eighteen months. They usually go into the business and they're out. Sell the, sell their parents' house and then. Well, in the industry in residential real estate, they know that most agents are good for two transactions because it's usually they'll go through the, the training process and everything with you know to get their license to take the test and the, the prerequisites with the state, and 
obviously they're, they're doing this because somebody's promised them a few deals, mom and dad's house or a friend's house or something like that. And they're usually good for a few deals. And then they're usually, you know, out of the business. You're an attorney. You see that desperation, um, it creates these op- these uh, situations where people will they may they may be they didn't know. I don't I don't want to necessarily think that they're trying to do um, fraudulent things, but they're sloppy. Mm-hmm. Is my point. You need to work with somebody who's not sloppy in everything you do. Well, the company you work for, Keller Williams, is famous for training people and firing people. And actually, firing. yeah, we actually well we can talk about that too in another segment, but it, it's. Um, I, I hate to say it's, it's a great place to be because if you do screw up, um, they have a reputation for firing you. So, anyways, um, this has been great. You're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with Derek Phillips, an attorney, and he handles 1031 exchanges locally with Downstream Exchange. You can reach him at downstreamexchange.com. Uh, we're going to, uh, on the next segment, we can give your contact information out again, and we're going to go into a break, and we'll be right back. And now more of the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. You're listening to Mike Bell. I'm a real estate broker in Pasadena, California. I sell tons of homes. And I am here with Derek Phillips. He's an attorney. And he works, uh, him and his father own Downstream Exchange. And they are a 1031 exchange accommodator. They happen to be here in Pasadena. They're, they are also educators in the area, and everybody really knows you guys. There's um, there's a lot of accommodators out there, but I, I would it seems like everybody knows you guys around here for sure. <sighs> for sure, for sure. Um, so we're talking about 1031 exchanges. I want to give the audience another opportunity to jot your phone number down, your email address, the website. Derek, yeah, how no do problem. people reach you? We have an 800 number. It's 800-743-1031. My email is D as in dog Phillips, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S at downstreamexchange.com. All one word. The website is www.downstreamexchange.com. So if somebody is looking into hiring an accommodator, finding one, what should they be looking for? What are the... On our website, we do have a list of things to consider. Mm-hmm. And uh, the number one thing on there says bonding because the uh, accommodators aren't licensed in any other state than Nevada. And actually, Nevada hasn't even provided the opportunity to get licensed there. They have a new form. They never sent it out. But anyways, mm-hmm. so the you're, the other than reputation, obviously, the bonding and insurance is your only real protection should something go wrong. Um, but that sort of, in my opinion, really the, the reputation of the company is, is most important. How long they've been around. What kind of questions can somebody ask though? If they're going to, if they're not list, if they're not here in Pasadena and they're in who knows in Minnesota and they want to get an accommodator, is it appropriate for them to call and just say, tell me about your insurance and your bonding? Yeah, it's on the website. Everything's on the website, the, the current bond, current insurance. But, but the fact that we've been doing this for, 36 years, the company survived three major downturns in the economy. Yeah. Those are the things that I, 
I talk about the most because uh, there are other companies that say, oh, we're backed by a big title company or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. But some of those companies – We've had title companies go out of business. The uh, Land America Exchange was the one that was – one day they sent out an email out to the world saying we're out of business. Because, I remember that. Because they invested money in auction rate securities and when Lehman went under, they became illiquid and they were done. But uh, so that everyone knows who we are. We've been in business for a long time. The the fact that I'm an attorney and a broker and my dad's a CPA gives us a little bit more uh, something to lose should something go wrong. I know where you live, too. Yeah, we, we have to be careful. <laughs> the, the, the thing is we get frequently referred by the agent, the an attorney, a CPA. So we get multiple referrals for one person. Or the escrow, and the escrow company, absolutely. But uh, so that's some, something that somebody can ask. They'll ask you about your bonding, about oh, your yeah, insurance. Sure. Obviously, they ought to be able to find a good reputation. You ought to have a good web presence. Uh, a, a mom and pop, a little operation is not going to have a web presence. Downstream exchange is our primary job. The, one of the things that we hold out above other accommodators is – we do have the ability to give tax advice because I'm an attorney. My dad's a CPA. But the problem with is that at some point in any conversation about 1031, it will get into tax advice very quickly. Very quickly. And the the some some exchanges anybody can do, but I say sometimes you need an, sometimes the easy ones turn out to actually be super complicated, and you do need an expert sometimes to spot those problems. I've stopped an entire room of high-powered attorneys on a conference call because I said one sentence and they were like, oh, my God, I'll call you back. Because there were just – there were certain – real estate attorneys don't spend all of their time with 1031 like no. I do. So I know a whole bunch about all sorts of issues that are periphery legal stuff that all come together for 1031 that other people just don't see. Well, I can understand why it's it makes sense. Same reason why people tend to – Hire me. I mean, this is just, I don't do commercial real estate. I don't do 1031 exchanges. I don't do property management. I, I hear people, <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I have clients right now who are yeah. selling the property themselves. And I'm like, please just hire, at least hire an escrow company. Because, at least hire an escrow company. Yeah. Exactly. But escrow is not going to be able to take care of all your disclosures and all the statutory stuff. They're not going to do all of that no, stuff. They're for not you. supposed to. They can't. It's, be, it's right. beyond their scope of duties, anyways. I always say that a good realtor makes up for any sort of commission that you're paying them. I think a good real a, a good realtor, a great realtor will will actually will make you more money than the commission that you're you're, and it's also going to get you a, a faster transaction. And it's also going to probably your liability is couldn't go much lower. Ever, it, you're always going to have liability when you sell but a property. You guys are always also always there to help you when you buy a property, fix the roof, find a plumber, get a new window guy. You guys have Rolodexes that have all that stuff. We'll cover your butt too with all the disclosure forms right. and the correct forms. I spoke actually with our in-house legal counsel to the bar association, we, to our real estate section. Were you there at the meeting this earlier this year? Probably not. We were talking about all the statutory disclosures. It was a cl- it was just a class on st- disclosures. And the code is different for probate and for trust and regular tr- uh, regular transaction sales. If you if you handle a, 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 a probate sale the way you'd handle a regular transaction, and you use the disclosure requirements for a regular transactions in a probate, I mean you're you're a, you're an attorney. You're sitting here shaking your head, and you're just like, 
that's ridiculous, but you open up yourself to so much liability. But that's what you get if you hire the wrong person to help you that doesn't just specialize in that's something. Same with accommodators. The same yeah. thing as accommodators. Um, when I, I started, I started my in, in the real estate business 20 years ago. I didn't know too much. Um, my first 1031 exchange was actually, I don't even want to tell you who it was. It was a local, real, it was a local escrow company and the escrow uh, gal, her husband was an accommodator. And it was just him basically in a room with his, uh, with his bank account and doing paperwork. And nothing went wrong. And I think he's, he's since, I don't, I, I think he's out of the business, but he's retired. Nothing bad happened. But looking back on that, you're sitting there smiling. I don't know how many millions of dollars these guys could, you could possibly have, but I never thought once to check on insurance or bonding. And he certainly never offered it to me. Uh, I remember way back when my grandfather, who's passed on, and I talk about him a, a lot on the show, he was asking me about this. You know, He didn't really understand the 1031 concept at all, and he was like, the guy could just steal from you. You never know. I remember talking to this guy, trying to get a level of comfort. Uh, I don't remember him ever offering any of the information you just gave me. That's vital information. Well, actually, the other thing, one of my personal pet peeves as an attorney mm-hmm. is I can't stand seeing people owning investment property that they're renting to somebody else in their own name or their trust that has all their assets. I'm always trying to get people to put their investment property in LLCs because, you know, in California, it's $800 a year. It's a little bit of cost, right? Mm -hmm. But it's cheap insurance. And even if you have insurance, if you talk to attorneys that that are plaintiff attorneys, they get return. They, when they get a judgment, they do get a check from the insurance company but they always get a check from the individual to make up what the insurance won't cover because every insurance company has an army of attorneys that's trying to tell you why your policy doesn't cover your claim. So I'm always trying to get people to do LLCs. It's just cheap insurance. How long is that process? Uh, State of California right now, it's a week. If you need them right away, you can get them in 24 hours for an extra $500. But that's the only legal thing I really do. I do lots of LLCs. So So if you were going to sell your property... And you kind of missed the boat, and you should have put it in LLC. Is it? You can always, if Mike Bell is, if you own a property and you want to put an LLC, that's not a change of ownership that would cause the property to be reassessed and retaxed. It's just merely changing the form of ownership. So a single member LLC is what's called a disregarded entity. It just gets reported on your tax return. You don't file a separate return. It's just a nice little shield to have in front of your property and anything bad that would happen on it. Apartments especially. Apartments, people own apartments in their own name are, are just asking for trouble because that's every single tenant is a possible claim against them. Well, with the data that we have available to us as real estate agents, and you're a broker, you see it yourself, you can run, you can run your whole, I mean, you can pull the tax records in your whole neighborhood. Very few people hold their homes, first of all, in a trust. Most of them, it's in their own name. Um, we have, we could do a whole course just on probates and the issues they could be having if they don't even have it in the right entity, uh, a protective entity. Your, but, your own home is not too bad. That's right? not too bad, but, but still. there's no, there's no What I'm talking about but, is property. You're that talking you're, about other big properties 
a lot of people don't have it in LLCs. You have a twenty unit apartment building in your own name, especially if it has a pool. You're, I mean, that's a that's a nightmare waiting to happen. Interesting. Interesting. And that, it doesn't. What an LLC does is it protects it protects that asset or it protects your other assets from that asset. You put a little bubble around the building, and if there was a claim, they could only recover from the assets that are in that LLC, not all your other assets. Mm-hmm. That's what happens if you own it in your own name. That's a it's great advice. Now, there's other kinds of exchanges. I went, I was at your website, and we don't have time to go into all of these, but obviously there's a reverse exchange. Very, very popular in a market in a seller's market because reverse exchange, you buy first, then you sell. When you buy the property, basically you have 180 days to sell the relinquished property. But if you have a, let's say today you have an apartment building in Pasadena, Glendale, Burbank, mm-hmm. You put that in the market, it's going to be you're going to get multiple cash yeah. offers in in a week. So, what pe- those people are worried about being able to find their replacement property in 45 days, this allows them to go find their property, purchase the replacement property, then they have to sell their other property within 180 days. And the complicated part is the accommodator has to take title to either the property they're selling or the property that they're buying. And we generally take title to the one that they're selling because if they have to get a loan on the property they're buying, the bank isn't going to loan the client money if we're taking title. Interesting. And we're actually one of the few accommodators that still does reverses. And then you have build-a-suit exchanges. That's where you're buying a property and using exchange funds to improve that property. So you, let's say you buy a, a, a lot and you build uh-huh. a building on it all with your exchange funds. You've got dental exchanges. that. That's just for dentists. That's you're basically hotel their, motel. That's that's all real estate. The dentist is just they're they're exchanging their equipment. You can you can do you can exchange equipment, but you have to buy similar equipment. Interesting. Wow. And then there's a triple net lease. We actually had a show a while ago, and we had it, we we talked about triple net leases and and actually how this ties in with 1031 exchanges. It's kind of my favorite. It's, fa- it's kind of my favorite asset class because. They're usually good properties with a good return, mm-hmm. stable, you know, national tenant, and you don't have to do it. You, they, they pay for taxes, insurance, and upkeep. So your management is minimal. That, you get you get apartment people who manage the properties themselves. You know, a 20-unit building is 20 separate drains and all sorts of problems that come up. If you have triple net lease, that's oh, not your problem. I agree. I agree. It was a great show that we had. If um, Who was the... Yeah. Broker. We had uh, Mike Knudsen. Oh, I just oh, I just talked to him. Mike. Yeah, uh, by email uh, uh, today or yesterday. Mike's a powerhouse. Um, we're you're listening to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're going to go into our last segment after these commercials, but uh, you can reach us through our show, the Mike Bell Real Estate Show dot com, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show on TalkZone.com. Here's Mike Bell. Welcome back to the Mike Bell Real Estate Show. We're here with attorney Derek Phillips with Downstream Exchange. We are discussing 1031 exchanges. Derek, generally how much does it cost for somebody to do a 1031 exchange? What are, the, the fees, what are they looking the for? The fees looking vary um, nationally. They're actually all... Very, very close in 
from company to company. I would say the average fee is probably like $750, but it's anywhere from $500 to $1,500 for a regular exchange. Reverse exchanges are anywhere from $5,000 to $10,000, maybe even more because some of the companies require phase one environmental report. Um, but I'm actually sort of surprised when I hear people call, well, people call up and they ask, what's your fee? Mm-hmm. And, and depending on their, what I hear in their voice, sometimes I'll just tell them. But in my, when I say that, I'm like, that's like the wrong thing to focus on. Your fee is very, very small. No matter, even if it's $1,500, that's, that's really nothing in the scope of your transaction. And that was, that's not the most important question to ask. When people call and say, oh, what's your fee? Thank you. Hang up. That's not information. You want to know more about the accommodator and yeah, how long absolutely. they've been in business and what kind of information they can give you. And and maybe, I, maybe I'll ask them, hey, tell me a little bit about your transaction. And, uh, then, I, and then usually I, they can be impressed with what I tell them. But I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> this is the way I, I, I look at it, though. If, if I'm in a situation where a client is going to be selling their – not their primary residence, I always tell them, just look at this. Call them up. Go to the website. Look at your videos. Pick up the phone and call Tony or Derek. They'll talk to you for free on the phone. But you really should it, – it's really good to figure this out now. And the, and the idea is that you know I know it's going to cost you $500, 750 1000 It's like an insurance policy. It's an insurance policy, really. I mean, if because – they don't have to. Con- they don't have to finish it. But at least if they're looking at at doing this, and they're in a time, like say for example, I've had this happen where they just call me like two days before we're supposed to close, and they want to do it. Day before, day of, I guess. Day sometime. of, which is is fine. We have some paperwork we have to do. We have to jump on this right away. But they always, you know, they always like. But what if I can't? You know, what if we don't do it? Well, at least you have the opportunity. To do it, and now's the time to set it up. The the, the thing it's that al- the thing that always scares me is there's such a wide variety of of information what people know out there. Yeah. So you could I, I've talked to people who paid fifteen hundred at the top of the scale, and the accommodator didn't even offer to tell them whether or not the exchange they were trying to do was going to actually save them any money, and it actually didn't, and and. This person was out of luck because the, I mean, I suppose they could just easily say, oh, go talk to your CPA. But when people ask those questions to, to our company, we, we can give them the answers. And my, my dad, st- the, our, some of our staff can prepare super crazy detailed analysis on your transaction that'll tell you down to the penny what you're going to defer. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually for most people, there's only a few lines in this two-page spreadsheet that you care about. But you hand that to your CPA, your CPA will be impressed of what we prepared. Well, I think that's that's it's a no-brainer. We get phone me. calls from CPAs. I mean, I'm explaining what what's going on frequently to mm-hmm. CPAs, other attorneys all the time. But I kind of always feel that CPAs should maybe know more than I do. But they don't they don't do very many exchanges. That's the thing. Some CPAs do. One every few years, perhaps. Well, that's same with real estate agents too. A lot of uh, it. You think it's maybe it's funny, but I, I tend to be the second realtor that's hired. The first, the first realtor, person didn't do anything, or they didn't do anything. They couldn't get the result, or they just fizzled away. Something happened, um, but usually it's um, 
they just didn't do what they're supposed to be doing. And you're, they quickly you're realized the, You're this. in the bullpen? And then they call me up. And at that point, they're like, we should have hired you in the first place, or we should have at least called you. We knew about you. We want to give our friend a chance. We want to give our nephew a chance. He just got his real estate license. Or I met this lady or this guy who's just helping my friend, and they didn't even think to do a little bit of rudimentary basic research to I don't find th- out. I don't think there's very many new accommodators out. No one's like opening shop, starting. I mean, if anything, it's 100% the opposite. They're, You're lucky. They're, look at my industry. Well, there was, there's an es- <laughs> there was definitely escrow companies around here who used to do 1031s, but they probably ran into um, – pro- actually – one of the largest escrow companies in LA, they do do 1031s, but they won't do reverse exchanges anymore. Most, yeah, and I'm not really familiar with very many escrow companies that'll touch this anymore. Not around here. You're better off with the specialists. Yeah. You're better off with the specialists. Derek, this has been great. This has been great information. I appreciate you coming down. Thank you for having me. How did all your wires do? Did all the 15 wires go through? I won't know until I go back. (laughs) A good thing you turn off your phone in the in the studio here. Um, I'd like to thank you very much. You're with Downstream Exchange. Call Derek if you want uh, if you want great advice. Pick up the phone. Call you. What's your 800 number again? 800-743-1031. I would just say if you think you have a 1031, give me a call and we'll tell you the straight uh, information. Thank you very much. I hope you come back. We'd like to. Do, I'd like to do another show if you're yeah. you're open to it, and we can we can really dive into some examples and some reverse uh, exchanges. We can do reverse exchanges. That'd be great. All right, you're booked. Okay, we'll do it next month. All right. I'd like to thank uh, Dave in Chicago, Daniel Estrada, my board operator. Thank you, Daniel. Say hello. Hello. That's it for day for today. Remember, if you need a Mike Bell, call or email me. I have a powerful network of only the best agents all over the nation. I'm excellent at finding the right realtor for you, and it's a free service, so call me. My name is Mike Bell. I sell homes. You can reach me at mikebell at kw.com. My personal – I know we're almost done. (laughs) He's going to cut us off. My my personal cell phone is 888-401-1555. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. The opinions expressed in the Mike Bell Real Estate Show are solely those of the host and do not reflect the opinions of anyone at TalkZone.com, Keller Williams Realty, any board of realtors, or anyone for that matter. Always hire a real estate attorney when making real estate decisions. Do not try any of this at home.